Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And Solid Steps Radio is a show we started a few years back that we wanted to do show for men, by men, talking about stuff from a man's perspective. We, as men, is a general statement. We're really good at talking about sports, weather, and politics. But we believe there's way more to life than just what's on the surface and what you see. We believe here that you are not fulfilling your true calling and identity as a man or a woman, for that matter, if you're not walking with the person of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be a, a, a just a, a small tool in a big toolbox of a lot of ways that God can use to help sharpen men and point them in the direction of Jesus. So that being said, we, we talk about stories, we talk about principles, but we really like telling the story that, of men's lives and their testimony of what God does with a man's life. So when I say, talk to me about your family, men, if there's any area of life when you start talking about a man to make him squirm, let's talk about dad, let's talk about mom, let's talk about growing up. Almost always, you, you can see now I'm kind of in an area of like, oh man, so whatever your history was in your past, you were influenced by them. And I heard a guy who's smarter than me say that Jesus may be in your heart, but your grandpa's in your bones. Your family follows you around. You, you, you don't have to identify necessarily. Live, We're not called to, but who you are had a lot to do with where you grew up, good and bad. So today we're going to talk about a gentleman who started off in one direction and then after an encounter with the Lord, went in a totally different direction, and he keeps going in a direction that we probably he probably would have never guessed, and just meeting with and being with people he would have never would have been with otherwise. So welcome, Pastor Keith Merriweather. Thank you. Thank you. It is, uh, brother, it's great to have you. Now, we got Steve McKinley in here as well, dear friend of mine for years, and he said, I've got to introduce you to Pastor Keith. And... Uh, so we got introduced a while back, and I go, dude, I, we yes. got to get your story yes. on the radio. Yes. So, uh, Pastor Keith, uh, uh, you know, let's just jump right in. Okay. You, you, okay. you, you are a, uh, we'll, we'll get to it, but you, I mean, you're a pastor, but yes. way before you became a pastor, you, you had another life. Yes. Talk, yes. talk to us about that. Yes. Again, my name's Keith Merriweather, Pastor Keith Merriweather. I'm a pastor currently at a Bible Community Fellowship. It's in the Portland neighborhood. And um, before I um, came to Christ uh, some 26 years ago, um, I was in what they, I wasn't really in it. I was just intrigued uh, coming from and being in a single parent home in, uh, in, a, uh, in the West Louisville uh, where I grew up at. Uh, the only influence that you have outside of sports figures, uh, figures and uh, other people around the neighborhood, there is a small religious sect. Uh, if it's not the black church, it was uh, some other little things. But my other little thing uh, was I was intrigued of the movement of the uh, uh, the pro-black movement, if you will. Uh, and when I say that, I was intrigued by the uh, black Muslim movement at that time in the uh, early, early 90s. Uh, I was intrigued by... Uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, uh, uh, Pro uh, Prophet Muhammad, they call him, uh, uh, Malcolm X, and uh, numerous of others that was locally in that movement, several cousins, uh, influenced my thinking. And, uh, and the reason being, uh, you hear words like uh, the white man's the devil, and I look at my situation, I'm poor in West Louisville, and it seems like when I go to school, 
the the uh, white children have the influence of money and status in my perspective and what I'm saying. And it seems like they, you know, seem to be doing better than I was in my context. And I'm like, and, and it, and it seemed like it held true. Uh, so like we, we talk about slavery, uh, when I was in the, in, in, in the Muslim movement, uh, how, you know, Jesus is not this blue eyed white guy look like a hippie. And I, and that was the, the things that you've seen in the, uh, or heard rather in the context and you don't really see it in the church. So I would go back home and I would really think about that. Uh, how are people that say they were Christians hold my people captive in slavery and yet sing hymns, amazing grace and all the other, but still hold black people in captivity. And so I would hear the, 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 my peers talk about that or, and the church wouldn't talk about that. And I, I used to, I was intrigued. I was influenced by that. I would hear uh, minister Louis Farrakhan and others talk about that. And I really, I grabbed toward that because I'm like, man, that's, nobody else to tell me different. I was like, man, that, that's the truth. I would th- I thought that was the truth. Uh, but years later, on down the road, praise be unto God. No, no, back oh, up. Okay. Just, back okay. up just okay. a second. Talk to us about what what was going on in your heart. I mean, you there was a longing, some longings of of wanting maybe uh, prestige or power, or was that was that going on in your heart and mind or not? Not power. It was more acceptance. Put it like that. It was acceptance to another people group. But it seems though that. You, you know, not just not me personally, sometimes I would think sometimes that my my people group wasn't accepted in America. And they make you feel, you know, you hear yeah. that plight, you hear that yeah. victim mentality. You, you always felt like you're a victim and, you know, whoa, it's me. You know, at that time, that's really how I felt. And not just me. It's, others feel that way. Yeah, and so the black Muslim message at that time intrigued you. Yes, it did. Grabbed your young mind. Now, how old were you at that time? I was probably about anywhere from the ages of 17 to 19. Okay, so um, you're a young man. Yes. You're vigorous. Yes. You, you're, yeah, and so that captured you. Yes, it captured me because it was masculine. Uh, at that time, I felt the church was more feminine. And that's another topic for another time. But <laughs> I really thought that it was a feminine type of, if men were ever going to do anything in the back, black community, it had to be more rebellious, more riotous, more uh, uh, innovative, the, the, the whip us into shape, if you will, quote unquote, in the black community. Because that's what some of the gangs, quasi-gangs, we didn't really have gangs at that time, but they were quasi-gangs. Other than that, it seemed like we needed something to rebel our or, or, or uh, use the word that we said in the community, the man, meaning the white person. You know what I'm saying? Get the man off of our neck. So we need to be rebellious, mm-hmm. if you will, and rebel and do something on our own. Have our own state. Print our own money. Have our own. That's what but my thought was. And, again, that the that's the message that was communicated uh, by Farrakhan and the like. You know, so I was intrigued by that. As a young man, uh, looking at what I was looking at, couldn't get the jobs, uh, couldn't, you know, I watched my dad uh, go through so many things. He served his country, couldn't get a job. He was always, and he was qualified, but never could get the promotion at that particular time. So all of those things placated, you know, being on food stamp, being in poverty. And I, I was blaming at that time what everybody else around me were blaming, meaning the white man. So I was like, so it, it, it played in my life real well of the blame game or the victim mentality that I was, I was really 
uh, wanting to see, you know, and because I hate to say it, they were making it true. <laughs> <laughs> and you, yeah, and you, you know, and, and not that there wasn't truth in, in mm-hmm. parts of that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of truth in, in what you were saying to, to, to some degree, but that wasn't the end. No, sir. Um, what happened next? What happened next, uh, my wife, uh, before she was my wife, of course, she was my girlfriend. We had a child out of wedlock. Uh, and today's our anniversary, by the way. Oh, okay. 20, and, uh, what, 26, 26 years. Yeah, yeah, 26. Happy uh, anniversary. anniversary. With that said, uh, quickly, I will try to get to the point. The point was my wife was a member. She's all, she was really influential into me coming to Christ because she led with silence. Uh, and when I say that, she never told me what to do at church, what that the pastor said this, or we need to do that. What she did is lived a life of Christ before me. Uh, my wife quickly, she was, they was having a night service. She was preparing herself for a concert. I knew nothing about church polity. I didn't grow up in the church. And so they were preparing for a concert and a night service. And what happened is that uh, I would... I, I thought my wife were, were was uh, seeing another man at, at our church because that's what I thought about church. When you're in the, in, in the, in the Muslim movement, sometimes those uh, those placates is what the church is doing and not doing. However, uh, my wife would simply uh, still live a life toward me. And so with that said, she says, uh, uh, we're having an, a concert. And, and I, I always accused her of seeing somebody else. And by this time, we're married. And what happened is that I, I can't recall not one song that was sung at this concert, but they had a preacher and I had my thing about, I couldn't stand preachers. I thought they was full of hypocrisy. I thought they was whatever, but a preacher preached from Romans chapter eight. And that day, brothers, I gave my life to Christ that day at an African-American or black church, whatever you want to say in the context at a night service, hardly anybody give their life to Christ brothers. What I'm telling you that night, I came looking for a man I came out with the man Jesus Christ God well we're going to take a break we could end the show to be honest with you (laughs) but we got three more segments so we're going to take a break come back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio Hadley Sign Solutions Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's HadleySignSolutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So if you missed our first segment, our guest, uh, Keith Merriweather, Pastor Keith Merriweather, was married, young married man, and he was convinced his wife was having an affair. And he was going looking for the man who she was going to see. Well, guess what? He found him, but not quite like you might think. <laughs> yeah, she was having an affair, all right. She was having an affair with Jesus. And uh, that brought you, I mean, I, I just love <laughs> that. It's, it, it's, it's so 
humorous many times, how God works. Because you you don't trust preachers, you don't like preachers, and God says, okay, I'm going to make you a preacher. Mm. <laughs> My Lord. So, but uh, but that night, you really were looking for a physical I really was. altercation. You were looking to physically fight the guy that you thought she was in love with. Yes. Uh, coming from a background like myself where there is uh, promiscuity, uh, there is uh, uh, infidelity in a lot of our my family relationships and past. Uh, so that's that weighed on me quite a bit. If somebody's leaving the home, I'm trying to control my wife. I'm a young man. There was no marital, premarital counseling. So I know nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm only been married uh, two months at this time. I knew nothing about how to, you know, nobody took me to the side and, and trained me on how to cultivate a relationship and trust my wife. So I'm dealing, I got all this going on and I'm thinking, because uh, I used to work for the Coca-Cola company at the time, if I'm allowed to say it. Uh, and, and we worked on Sunday, so going to church for me at that time and raising my family in the church, it was impossible. Uh, however, uh, my wife continued to live a life of Christ before me. Let me keep saying that without saying, well, the pastor said uh, my church is doing this. She lived a life of Christ uh, before me in, in with excellence. Uh, uh, so walking you down to this, I really, I really did, uh, again, bring you back to the story where we left off at is simply that I was sitting in the back of the, uh, on the last pew where the ushers sit, usually reserved. It said reserved, but I sat there anyway because I was that honoring and I was that angry. And so I come down to this church with an attitude. And again, the brother was preaching from Romans chapter 8. Again, I remember not one song they sung because it was a concert, if you will. Uh, No one told me that it would be preaching. I thought preachers were guys that were old, I, thought I never this this fellow was a, uh, about my age, maybe a few years younger, but uh, he began preaching and I heard about the love of Christ. Let nothing separate you uh, from the love of Christ, no height, no depth. I was hearing these words that I didn't hear in my home. I, I was hearing words that I didn't hear in my community on the basketball court. I thought Jesus was just simply a good man. I'm a good man. I thought I didn't know anything about salvation. Uh when I heard the word and then a fellow by the name of uh, Deacon uh, John Baker, after this service was over and I gave my life to Christ, he talked to me to the fact that uh, me being a sinner, and I said, I didn't know what a sinner was. And he explained the gospel to me uh, in a wonderful format. And he told me that I'm in need of a personal Savior. I'm in need uh, to, to be forgiven for my sins. I said, hold on a minute. I, I'm a good guy. I've never committed a murder. I've never done anything. I'm a good guy. And he told me about the person of Jesus Christ. And far as I knew that what I'd learned about Christ uh, from a VBS, that somebody done picked us up and and took us and whisked us away in this neighborhood I lived in. Uh, we eat cookies and, and, and drink juice. <laughs> and all I know about Jesus was simply, you know, he died on a cross, but at that time, it didn't mean much to me. Uh, Deacon Baker explained it to me in a way that I was truly able to understand that I was out of the ark of safety, that there was a gulf between my sin and a holy God. And I was like, wow, man, I, I never understood that. Never, I thought you never, I was you never thought of it like that. I thought I was good. I thought everybody goes to heaven, you know, uh, no matter what. Uh, and, and he explained the gospel to me. And I say all of that because my wife was so influential in making sure that she exemplified Christ. Uh, What Deacon Baker was telling me about Christ in the scriptures, my wife showed me 
but I didn't want to accept it from her because all I wanted to do is quote unquote control her and make sure she's not sleeping outside of the marriage. That's all I ever thought about marriage. You know, I didn't understand friendship, love, uh, unadulterated love, you know, and respect, uh, respecting my, my wife. I didn't understand that. I thought I had to control my wife. Uh, so when I heard about Romans chapter eight, you know, there are, uh, we're, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I never heard that type of talking. And this fellow was not talking about the white man. He wasn't talking about, I mean, it was just about the gospel. And I'm like, well, at that time, I didn't know it was the gospel. <laughs> and uh, and that's what intrigued me, which hence uh, transformed my life. Uh, you got to understand myself. I had a learning difference. Uh when you grow up as, with a kid with learning differences and uh, getting pulled out of the classroom to be in special group, being singled out because you may have like, some, a small impediment. I, I spoke well, but I, I still had a small impediment. Uh, comprehending words and, and schoolwork was very difficult for me. Uh, it's funny how, the, and then speaking before people was very, even more difficult because I was told by a teacher that I'll never be anything. I don't know how or why she said that, but that played on me for a big period of my life of being a, a person that lacked confidence and a person that, that really, really, and then I, f- I realized then I got into the book of Philippians. Somebody told me simply, you can do all things through Christ. And I heard things that could happen that made me better uh, in Christ, not in my own flesh, but in Christ. Uh, so uh, with this church, came with every time the door opened at this church, I was there. It was a men's Bible study. Whatever the case may be, we had a men's Bible study at this church. Uh, And these men, I learned about the scriptures. I read for the first time and no one laughed at me. I spoke and no one laughed. So those days, so uh, then I lost my knack of simply wanting to be, quote unquote, pro-black. I lost that. I was looking for something else. Now I'm looking for this. Who is this Christ? Uh, my story about blaming white people for uh, their, their, their having wealth and having uh, land and having something that me as a black young man didn't have. I stopped the blame game at that particular time. And still, you know, I, I, now I'm searching for who is this Christ? Who is this one is saying he's the son of God? Because in the in the Muslim movement, you got to understand if one claims to be the son of God, that's the, that's a sin of shirk. Can't do that. That's a sin. And Jesus never said he was a prophet, but in the nation of Islam, they would always say Jesus is a prophet. Jesus never said he was a prophet. He, 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 he held the office as a prophet. He was prophet, priest, and king. Praise be unto God. I love that. But anyway, uh, my, my life truly transformed. And I think that's what we're missing in our world of, uh, of, of, of Christendom. No life we just simply be not, we were anomaly Christians. We were part of an organization where we're part of a certain church, whether it be an influential church or what have you, but we lose the fact of a transformed life. And that night, September the 5th, 1997, my life changed, guys. My life changed. And ever since then, I have uh, enjoyed my journey uh, as being a Christian. Fast forward, mm-hmm. because not only... Did you give your heart to the Lord Jesus and you found him and he found you? Um, he, he began to call you into ministry. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Talk to us about that. Well, I used to, uh, had, I loved going to Sunday school. 
And I had a, a teacher, which is my pastor now, Billy Jenkins. Billy Jenkins Jr. is a very influential person in my life uh, since being a Christian. He and his wife, uh, they have uh, really loved on me, and they knew my story. Uh, but this brother gave me a chance. He was my Sunday school teacher, just simply that, and he was my accountability partner. We didn't say that to each other, but he was. Uh, uh, I listened to how he would cut his teeth on Deacon Baker. And so this is our church at the time was really a big family, if you will. And uh, I had a true knack uh, of listening to the word. Then I, then he gave me a chance. He said, man, I'm going to be out. Do, do you mind covering for me? I said, covering you for what? Teach. <laughs> Won't you teach for me? So I taught for him one Sunday, and I found a love for it. And uh, explaining the goodness of God and doing the research and getting this book and that book and getting different translations. So I found myself really loving. So I turned to this real uh, husband that was always wanted to be connected to his wife. So now in the house, I'm separated from my wife. And so uh, with that said, quickly, uh, I, I get this knack to want to teach God's word. And our leadership at the time changed a little bit. And so I realized that once the new pastor came in, he saw my knack for teaching. And then in turn, he said, man, you have a, you have a gift of pastoral ministry. And he turned my uh, look toward my call. And I started to go to school and to uh, try to further my call. And that's when I started exercising my gift of the preaching ministry. I, I love it how you hated, <laughs> you didn't like preachers. And God says, oh, you're going to become one. How, how old were you from the time you came to the Lord to you to that? I was 22 when I came to the Lord, and probably in about uh, the time I was 24, 25. Okay, two years. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank, landscaping, and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through, and you will be thankful you called them. So if you missed the first two segments, you missed a lot, you need to go to our Facebook page or you can go to SoundCloud or iTunes. Just type in Solid Steps Radio and you can hear this show in its entirety. Thanks to our great sponsors. Um, so we're here with Pastor Merriweather, Pastor Keith, and uh, we went from not wanting to have anything to do with uh, pastors or church or anything that has to do with that. He thought that was too feminine for him. He wanted to get into a masculine area of life but then all of a sudden he heard about this masculine man named jesus and now all of a sudden he's actually considering in our last segment we talked about becoming a pastor well you know I, pastor keith i i think you're right and many times in the church in america today it's there's a lot of it's become feminized yes. and we've lost our masculinity and yeah. we we've been emasculated in in certain ways and the bible teaches you know be men of courage, yes. be men of strength, be men of honor, 
and, and you know and character and integrity. So I, I I love that about you, and I love that when because we need strong male leadership, which yes, means absolutely. we don't we don't control people. It means we love we, we become servant leaders. Yes. But you became a pastor. Tw- uh, how many years ago? Uh, going on three. Uh, working on three, like two and a half years, kind of. But y- you pastor but you also do something else yes i do what do you do i am a uh, employee at little water company our local utility one who brings you wonderful wonderful water uh, <laughs> it is wonderful award-winning water. water uh throughout the nation and probably the world but yes i am an employee for the last uh 14 uh 24 years an employee little water company i'm so, so proud to make sure i make mention of that yes well Louisville water is some of the best water in the country. I absolutely agree with you. And uh, it's awesome. So, But y- y- that means you're bivocational. Yes, I am. Talk to our listeners. What does that mean, and how do you, how do you live that out? All right. Bivocational simply means I am employed or work two jobs simultaneously. Uh, and what that means, uh, I don't have the privilege, as some of my colleagues in ministry uh, meaning pastors who are supported and supplied and have resources from the, their respective churches. Uh, the church I pastor, Bible Community Fellowship, uh, do their best to take care of me as best as they can. Uh, however, uh, to earn my living, which I did before I became pastor, uh, that is I make my living at the, the Louisville Water Company, which I'm so privileged to be there. Uh, however, that comes with a, a, a high price, and a high premium. And I say that is the research. I work I work about 40 to maybe 50 hours a week on my job. I still have to be a husband. I still have to visit sick people. I still have to fill calls. I still uh, have to be a dad, which I'm a, I have four children and a grandson. Uh, so uh, I have to do serious research because me being an expository preacher takes a lot of work. It's I don't do Saturday night specials, meaning try to fill out where I'm a preach and just throw something in the air and make the people. I, I, I do serious research and I uh, extensive book study, word study, uh, and and I do that because number one, it pleases God when I do research. Uh, and it, it influences the people to uh, for transformation, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm really all about. The Bible says, "Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind." And I want renewed minds every time I teach the Word. It's not about me, but it's about God. And He brought somebody like myself who had a learning difference, who had a reading difficulty, who had a, per, a, a, a decoding words. Uh, he allowed somebody like me to speak his word, and then not only to add to that, uh, 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 a hater of preachers, if you will, so to speak. <laughs> I thought preachers were, I had, a, I had my my uh, suspicion about preachers where I come from and in the, in the context I come from, and sometimes rightfully so. <laughs> so, uh, so you have a learning difference, mm-hmm. you struggle in reading, mm-hmm. and God says, Keith, I'm going to turn you into studying deeply the Word of God so you, you can correctly handle the Word of God. And it's going to take research and time and energy. And then you've had a little speech impediment when you were younger, but I'm going to have you communicate the greatest truth in the world. Yes. 
Absolutely. And uh, I think about uh, that because that lets you know the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it take me, uh, what encouraged me the most is when I heard uh, through Scripture, when I read the Scripture of uh, Moses, when Moses was called uh, to do, to go before Pharaoh and allow uh, God to use him. And he came up with an excuse. His excuse was he had a pediment. He couldn't speak. So God, in his wonderful divine providence, gave him a fellow by the name of his own brother, his blood brother by the name of Aaron. I'm going to have him speak for us. So there's no excuse. And once God, first of all, when God saved me, and when God, when my my, my pastor now and my good friend uh, told me, asked me to fill in for him to teach, he saw something in me providentially, and then uh, the rest is what a quote-unquote history. Uh, just simply had a, a t- you know, to want to teach and communicate God's word. Uh, I'm at liberty to do so, and I love it. Uh, I don't particularly have to be at the church to do it, but I enjoy it. How many hours a week do you spend on oh, preparing for your sermons? Okay, there is about, I don't have, I used to hear a long time ago a fellow by the name of Bob Russell. He used to say about spend 20 hours a week. I remember listening to him on, on, a, on a show years ago. I don't have 20 hours a week. I have to study on the fly. Uh, so depending upon the workload and the week load, uh, it varies. I can't give you the exact sure, number. But just ballpark. Uh, but ballpark, I'm, I'm, I want to adventure at least about 12 hours of just enriched separation. Uh, not much movie watching. I do a lot of work. I try to do things at home. I'm not the best home. I, I'm not good at doing things around the house. You can ask my wife. <laughs> Chad is neither. You mean you need to hang out? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. Two of us the together house. maybe even better. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and so so I'm trying to do research. Everything I do is on the fly. I do everything on the run. That is part of the makeup of a bivocational pastor, which if we do the research, bivocational pastors make up the fabric of churches in America, which we sometimes uh, negate and we overlook and overestimate uh, what, how God uses bivocational preachers and pastors because we sacrifice and a lot of us burn in. It's been times of I come off a shift and have to get right in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. After working 16 hours, I remember doing that working 16 hours and taking a two hour break and going straight into the pulpit and preach. Now some say, some may say, man, that's unfair. It's, it's unjust. You can't do that. But I, I cannot not work. I have to provide uh, for my family. But I tell you, those has been some of my favorite sermons. Mm. <laughs> well, and you know what? The old prophet of old, uh, you know, I cannot not speak. I, I, I've yes. got to preach. Yes. There's a burning within my soul yes. that God's put on your heart. Yes. yes. And I, I want to, this one I want to introduce real quickly before our, our, our next break. Um, your dear friend, Steve McKinley, who yes. you brought with and who introduced us because. How how did you first meet Steve? Uh, I believe it's a lady by the name of uh, Bonnie Epperson. Uh, Bonnie uh, Bonnie Epperson has a way to meet and connect the whole world with one another. She has that uh, innate ability to do so. But however, um, I was minding my own business. I met a fellow by the name of Dennis Brooks just on a water company call. I met Dennis Brooks, 
and I was doing my job, and he, we got to talking about church, love of Christ. He told me his church. Then he said, you need to meet somebody. And he told me about this lady, Bonnie Epperson. Uh, so we were in prayer. We were doing this Wednesday prayer, noon prayer at our church at Bible Community Fellowship. Sister Bonnie came, and then she said, uh, I want you to meet some guys. She just said guys. I didn't know who these guys were. But these guys showed up at our door uh, at Bible Community Fellowship, and I didn't understand these guys' motive. Uh, I didn't understand. I never met them before, but they came, and I was like, I never met them. They just dropped into our sanctuary. And uh, at this time, it's, it's right on the cusp of the uh, the riots that we had in 2020. It's right in the cuffs. It was September 2021. Uh, there's a lot of race issues going on, and there's the pandemic. Hence, there's all of this going on, and these brothers show up at our door. And I didn't know what to expect, but just I understand naturally they, to be and, kind. And they weren't black brothers. No, they wasn't. No, they wasn't. <laughs> no, they wasn't. They was, uh, what, what, when you first saw them walking in, they, they, they come walking in. It was like four of them, right? Older guys, too. A lot. They're all old enough to be my dad. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're older, they're white, and I want to, uh, and when you go into the next segment, I want you to unpack what was going through your mind when you saw these guys mm-hmm. walking into your church. Yes. So we're going to take a break, come back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank podloo.com that's louisville podcast studios if you want to do a professional sounding podcast or video cast you want to look and sound great louisville podcast studios is your contact go to podloo.com that's p-o-d-l-o-u.com so our fourth segment and we could probably do about 20 more because we're having such a good time and we're talking with uh, Keith Merriweather, and uh, we just had entered into the narrative uh, a group of guys who Keith did not know who these men were, but all of a sudden, a group of white men come walking into his church, and he's like, Who are you? And so, that Steve McKinley, you were one of those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> How in the world did you get connected to Keith, and what was going on in your mind? Well, after the pandemic, and the unrest that, that Keith just talked about. And there were all kinds of things going on. This thing called CRT. And uh, just just the unrest that was going on in Louisville. Four guys that uh, uh, were in D.C. together. We were in the same, same class. And um, we decided we needed to find out more about this. So we started studying. And we, lo- we, we sat down and read books by Ron Dreyer, Live Not By Lies, uh, Fault Lines by Vody Beckham, uh, Why You Think the Way You Do by Glenn Sunshine. And we really started getting into Tony Evans and his kingdom 
agenda. And one thing led to another, and we found out Tony was actually going to be at a church in Louisville. We just found out. It was, it was the Holy Spirit in, in hindsight. And we ended up going to the, to the church to listen to Tony Evans, and he was going to talk about his kingdom race theology, his answer to that. And we ended up meeting Bonnie, Bonnie Epperson, from our own church, Southeast, and we started talking. And she said, I've got some place for you guys to go. And so she introduced us uh, to, to Keith, and we went down on a Wednesday night, and we were amazed at what we heard, a real Bible teacher teaching the Word of God verse by verse. Now, you're teaching the Word of God verse by verse, yes. Pastor Keith. Yes. But these four white guys come walking in. What went through your mind? What went through my mind, I was like, first of all, where did these guys come from? Uh, I was being as cordial and kind as I could. Uh, I, but I didn't ask them why they were here. I know I'm a new pastor. I know uh, where I'm located. I found I thought they was from the area. Uh, when I found out that they were from, you know, southeast, I'm, I'm, uh, when I uh, understood what their, their distance of where they came from. And I'm like, okay, now I'm really worried. I'm like, nothing against Southeast. I was just worried about, okay, now what do they want? Now I'm saying to myself, what do they want uh, for me? I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't expect this, but what do they want? And so I found out that what they want was, uh, was a friendship and a fellowship. And we deepened that with a lot of love. And we understood each other right off the bat. Uh, they didn't want anything. I didn't want anything. It's simply, I didn't know what to expect, truly. I truly didn't. But then when I found out their, uh, they, their consistency, because see, what we get a lot of times, when I was on a small mission field, when I was a, a short-term missionary, sometimes we do injustice to a lot of countries and cultures. But we'll, we'll leave and we'll, we'll go, and then the, the people are left picking up the pieces. Uh, when large churches come into uh, uh, rural neighborhoods or urban neighborhoods, they, they give maybe a few resources, drop a few things off, and they pick up and leave. There's no relationship. There's no how to do things, or there's no, there's no consistency to the relationship. I don't, I'm all about relationships. And these brothers and I, we, uh, Steve, Maury, uh, this is Steve, Mari, Charlie, and uh, myself. We forged this trust and this relationship. Hence, is what's missing in our culture, what's missing in the church world. Because it's sad that I have to continue to say the black church. You know what started that? Sin started that. Sin started a separation when uh, white people didn't want to worship with black people, and, uh, and and then we start other movements where we can't worship together. But when we look in the Book of Revelation, John said he's seen all people, all kindred, all tongues. And when I, I was I was speculative as, as as speculative as these brothers coming, but when I understand that they really was there to forge a relationship and fellowship, the cornelia, the relationship with me, and they loved me for who I was and what I am. They didn't want anything. Uh, I've gotten more from them than they ever got from me. <laughs> uh, now, Steve is shaking his head because he's contra He's going, no, 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 because, no, 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 because you are a great preacher. Yes. And you teach the word of God, and he has been blessed. He's told me. 
He's told wow. me, wow. I have been, I have learned, I've grown, I've deepened as a follower of Christ through wow. your teaching. And God bless it, you, brother. Praise, praise the Lord for that. I, I really have no doings in that whatsoever. But I want to let you know, these men are like, they, we're like real brothers. Uh, they treat me with so much respect and kindness. And again, I think that's what's missing in our city. With Louisville being a very segregated city, I believe personally, by living here for a long, long time in my life, it's segregated. And, and it's segregated by so many layers, uh, by class, by relationships, what church you go to. It's segregated by that. And these brothers are willing to put on the miles from Shelbyville or, 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 or the east end part of Louisville to come and fellowship with this little unlearned west end pastor. And all we want is a brotherhood. And that's what, that's what we have. Uh, and it taught me something as well. Mm. Our, our country needs what you guys are, are modeling. Come on. Talk Amen. to me. Amen. Amen. We need this. Yes. And before we even started, we were talking about how how, how the church, the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is not black and white. No, sir. It is all, it's all of us. And we, we've got to learn. So I, um, we're almost done here. And I'm going to have you pray, Pastor Keith. Yes. But just take 60 seconds and just speak a little bit more into that. How how we can as as whites and blacks, how can we live in unity? Our Hispanic brothers and sisters and beyond, our Asian brothers and sisters, how do we live that out? Yes, we we flesh this out. The apostle Paul says something very important in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I try my best to govern my life with these two passages. Uh he says, for the grace, he said, for I'm the least of the apostles, uh, not to even deserve to be called an apostle, but I, I persecuted the church. But he says this frame in verse 10, but for the grace of God, I am what I am. And race is something that really, number one, the word race is not even in the Bible. It's something that we cook up. But what it is, it's thinking one is greater than the other. One people group is greater than the other people group. Uh, And what that is, Paul says that it's by the grace of God I am what I am. He talks about making himself least so others can be greater, least so God can be great. And I think if we start doing this on both sides of the aisle or whatever race or whatever nationality we belong to, if we put ourselves up, lower put ourselves down rather like it says in the we humble ourselves before god and the bible says he will lift you up and i think that's what's missing in the culture and the fabric we living in that we never ever put ourselves down enough so the lord can lift us up that's a good word that's a good word pastor keith thank you so much for coming in steve thank you for having me that was awesome steve thanks for introducing thank thanks for coming in uh, we got we got 50 seconds okay can I, can you preach uh pray us out oh my gosh preach. did you just ask him to preach don't preach ask out. this man to preach <laughs> pray pray us out in 20 seconds All right. All right. <laughs> thanks pastor keith father god in heaven we thank you for this opportunity God, we thank you for each and every one that hears these words, God. God, I pray that these words be transformative to all of our lives. God, as we leave and never away from your presence, God, give us grace. Give us your grace, God. God, grace the city that we live in, God. Grace the families that we are part of. And Lord, we will forever give you the honor, the glory, and the praise that is due your holy and righteous name, God. 
God, please lead us all in the plain path of righteousness for your namesake. It's in the matchless and marvelous name of Jesus we pray. Thank God and amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thanks so much, guys. So we, uh, we, we talked about a lot, but we didn't hit on enough. Like there's so much to talk about. So the one caveat here of all these things, you had uh, Pastor Merriweather who didn't even have anything to do with God. Now he's preaching <laughs> about God. The one thing is he met the man Jesus. And that changed the entire trajectory of his life. If you have not met him yet, he's waiting on you to change your trajectory of your life. So look in his direction. You come near him. He'll come near you, it says. And so we hope that, that this, today the show will just help draw you one step closer. Thank you for listening to Solid Step Free. With every step I take.